Did you ever go into one of those horror slash fun slash haunted houses that came with your annual fair at your town? You know, those people that would pull in when the rodeo was going on and the state fair was going on or provincial fair was going on or town fair was going on. You know, I think maybe if you're as old as I am, maybe that's the only people that went to one of those. But I remember them. I remember the whole fair. I remember as a kid, I would be so excited. They'd come and they'd start setting up and you'd be looking at what rides there were. But always there was this fun house. Always intrigued me. You know, they used to pull them in as trailers and they'd be, you know, they'd be brought in and backed in and there'd be tunnels connecting them and inside would be black lights and mirrors and monsters that jumped out and always behind metal lath you know they didn't want the locals using a sharpie and putting a mustache on the zombie in their funhouse but it all blended together you know the whole concept you're out there and there's all the whirly rides and the bright lights and the candied apples all the fun 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 kind of like our present reality a little bit the world has turned into a fun fair just like that. And it's turned into a fun house just like that. It's all cobbled together. It's designed to scare. I mean, that's the whole point. So few understand this. Most of the people that's in the fun house, I mean, they're going through and they're feeling a little stressed because, you know, it's, it is scary. They want to get back to the whirly rides and the candied apples. There are so many strange shifts happening in our society right now. It's very hard to discern all the booms from the actual danger. Straight fear being delivered to us. Totally contrary to actual science or even reality. This is a narrative battle. The lies and the half-truths hang off both ends of the political spectrum. And in the end, the reality is people have died. The thing is, you got to get out of the fun house. Then you have to get out of the fair itself. I mean, isn't that a common genre in horror movies and horror books? The haunted fairgrounds. But most people who are worried and frightened think that they just want to get out of the fun house to get back into the lights and the excitement and the candied apples of the fair. That's the problem. In the current state, our society has found itself where we've been put there is no exit even if we tear our way out of the fun house the rest of the fair has went dark silent it's not the same as it was it's not recognizable it's like that brand of excitement is over so when they talked about the new normal what they were saying is all this stuff that we put in front of you to excite you and get you into the fun house well it's all been shut down now let me tell you, the fun house is designed to hold us forever. I can't imagine a better description of hell than one of those cheesy, black-lit, mirrored fun houses that never ends. Oh, there's exit signs. And they're all lit up. There's doors with panic bars on them, but they don't go anywhere. That's what they're doing to people. You know, you're walking down a darkened hallway and suddenly a red light flashes and a gory monster jumps out. Some compressed air blows at you. 
and the loud thing screams out, Omicron variant! The victim screams in fear, hurries further down the dark hallway, wanting out. They see an exit sign and a door with a panic bar, and it's labeled, Two Jabs and a Booster. So they go through it. But it's just another hallway of the funhouse. Thing is, there is no exit. This thing is designed, you got to tear your way out of it. And when you do get out, there's no carnival anymore. There's no excitement, no fun. Not the kind that was sold to us. All is dark and silent now. The lights are off. You're on your own. You'll have to think for yourself from now on. And yeah, it's dark. But at least maybe you can get off the fairgrounds. You can get out into reality. You can breathe some different air. You can see the stars. You can breathe in freedom. If you want to hear more about this, well, scoot your chair a little close to the fire. It's getting cold out there. And let me tell you all about it. You have found the frequency of the Enemy Patrol podcast. Please stand by for new directions. Over. All right, welcome to the fire of the enemy patrol, a place where those who can't believe this is happening to them find themselves. I am the Anomic Ranger, and I bill myself as your very own reality scout. As a scout, I just go out and I look at things and I decide about things and I give you the best report I can. I give you this information so you can use it to move ahead in this adventure called life. But in the end, you are the general in this campaign that is your life. And it's you that makes the ultimate decisions. I am just a humble reality scout and I just give you the lay of the land as I see it. So you can use these reports that I give or don't. I just tell you what I see. If you want to know more, well, you can find me at um, my website, anomicranger.com. You can go on there and uh, subscribe to the site so you can leave comments on some of the articles that I write. Although I haven't been writing as very many articles. In fact, I haven't even been, um, I haven't been putting out enough of these uh, reports. Although that's going to change here in the near future as my way the world is ongoing my my uh job situation keeps changing so i have a little more time i think i will use that time to try and bring you more of these if you want to send me an email and offer encouragement or lashes i suppose or questions you can do so through the contact portion of my website or you can send me an email direct if you don't want to bother signing up and you just want to send me a straight email, that goes to animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. That's animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. Anime is spelt with an I-E. It's all one word. HQ, all one word, yahoo.com. There you go. If you like what I write or a podcast, well, wherever you listen to it, give me a good rating. I hear that's really important. 
you get a lot of five-star readings, then you go up and then more people find you. Um, same with subscriptions and the same with comments. But most importantly, if you know somebody, and this is important, if you know somebody that could that you'd want to share this with, then share it with them. Anyway, I usually break these down now, and this is season two, episode two. Um, I break them down into each one into really simple questions. How did we get here? Where are we going? And what am I supposed to do? So without further ado, let's just do that. So where is here? As in, how did we get here? You know, it's interesting. How did we get here? We find ourselves on the edge of oblivion and people are scared spitless and nobody can really blame them. Everything keeps changing. We got here basically because we were beguiled by that fair that I was talking about. Let me explain. Bright lights, loud music, a stimulating crowd. It was so exciting. It was so full of potential thrill. At the same time, beguiled us, I think, is it was strange. It was unfamiliar. It was dangerous. And somehow it was safe. That's just like going to your local fair. I mean, you, you look at it, you, you see the people, you see the crowds, you see the lights. It's all temporary. It's all set up just, you know, willy-nilly. Um, it wasn't there two weeks ago, and now it's there, and two weeks, a week later, it's gone. But while it's there, you got tents and lights and rides whirling around and loud music and smell of food. And like I said, it's unfamiliar, strange, seems a little dangerous. Yet somehow we always felt safe. We trusted the carnival. We trusted the fair. We trusted that system that come in. You know, when you got on a ride, you, you, you just expected that somebody had engineered that ride. And you expected that somebody had, you know, paid attention when it was being put together. Now, I have a story about one time we went to the local fair and my dad took myself and my brother on a, on a Ferris wheel. And it was actually for a, for a local fair, it was a pretty tall Ferris wheel. Like it went way up. It was a big one. I haven't seen a big one like that that wasn't permanent for a long time. Anyway, we got up in this Ferris wheel and, and, and we're just kind of hooping and you know how it goes. Like you go up part way up and then you go to the top and they always stop because they're always letting people off or putting people on. And then they do like three spins and then they start taking people off and putting more people on. But anyway, I could tell my dad was a little bit tense. Like, so I was kind of teasing him a little bit. I was old enough to do that. And I was like, what's the matter? Like you nervous and. And then my dad told this story. He said, you know, always these things, they, they bring these rides and they, they set them up and they, you know, go way up high like this or whirl around really fast. And he said, all I can think about is this thing is put together with pins. You know, one pin not in right somewhere. You know, like he said, there's some guy that, you know, that's his job is to, you know, either put the pin in or inspect the pin or maybe both. And maybe both of them are looking at, you know, 
some girl in a low-cut blouse walking by and they just kind of forget to get that pin all the way through and it pops out. Anyway, after he said that, and I got looking around and yeah, it's all pins. Everything put together with pins. There's no bolts or nuts or, you know, it's just like sticking two pieces of metal together and sticking a pin through it. One, one missing pin and, well, it could pop out. You know, and it was the same thing when you bought food at the fair. Like, it was always, I'll call it exotic. It was never really exotic. It was greasy, salty, and expensive is what it was. But when you bought the food, you expected that someone had checked the vendor for basic hygiene and food standards. But I mean, hey, that's a moving target, isn't it? I mean, these people are there for a week and then they're gone. If you get a bunch of food poisoning, I mean, yeah, somebody might phone ahead. And then they could just, you know, kick that one trailer out where they thought it maybe come from. But for the most part, I don't think there was a lot of food standards. I mean, everything's deep fried anyway, so there's probably isn't much danger of food poisoning. But the thing is, everybody trusted it. And they trusted it in order to have fun. I mean, if you went around worrying about that, whether the pins were put in right or whether you were going to get, you know, food poisoning from your deep fried Snickers bar or something. I mean, it's like, well, it's pretty hard to have fun, isn't it? You know, you're busy looking at the trailer that serves the food and making sure that it looks clean. And then you're checking the ride before you get on it for every pin. I mean, it just, you, you got, there's a level of trust. So I'm going to leave the carnival analogy now just for a minute. So that you know what I'm talking about. It's the same way we built the entire system in which we lived in. We built a system to live in. We built a system, and I'm talking about Western civilization here, we built a system that not only live in, but thrive in. Not only thrive in, but our children could thrive in it, our grandchildren could thrive in it, our great-grandchildren could thrive in it, our great-grandchildren could thrive in it. That's what we tried to build for. That's what we were going for. With everything, with healthcare, education, government, industry, it was a safe place to raise the following generations. But it was always about trust. It was always about, we're going to build this system that will be so good, it will last hundreds of years. Government workers were never meant to rule over us. It was never the idea with Western civilization. That whole concept was worked, worked out to try and stop that thing where government people ruled over the little people. We called them civil servants. It was the people who built the system. So what happened? What happened? At what point did the government people are, can stand and dictate what the little people have to do? I mean, you always need that first. Like, the little people must stop at red lights. Obviously, obviously. But they, it's a long ways to the little people have to inject this into their body. I mean, come on. That's not freedom. I think what happened is those leading us got more attention building a fun fair than a responsible government. And the people learned that they could vote for it. I mean, what do you, what do you want to do? Well, who do you want to vote for? Do you want to vote for this guy that's talking about, you know, we really can't borrow any more money. We actually have to tighten our belt. 
And then you got somebody else saying, oh, no, fun, fun, fun. The fun just starting. No, no, this is going to be great. I'm going to just give all kinds of stuff. People learned that they could vote for that. And in the end, I'm going to use a quote here, the gods of the copybook headings were ridiculed, shunned, and forgotten. I guess that's not really a quote. But if you don't know who the gods of the copybook headings are, I would, I would tell you to go duck, duck, go, gods of the copybook headings. It's a poem. Go read it. I know you're supposed to say, oh, I put the, you know, down in the bottom in the comments or in the show notes, I, I put a link. Go find your own link. It's very simple. The gods of the copybook headings is a poem. I'm sure you can find it. The bottom line is, is and as Anne Rand said, you can ignore reality, but you cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. You can pretend that reality doesn't exist, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. It goes right along with the gods of the copybook headings. I mean, that's the same theme. Not that I'm a big Anne Rand fan. I, I think she's a little, was a little warped. But anyway, Western culture through its roots in Christianity, the morality of Christianity and the, and the Greek thinking, we used to build for posterity. They say a great society is one in which old men plant trees under which shade they will never sit. Think about that one for a minute. Is anybody planting trees? Any old men out there planting trees? in which they know they will never see that tree, but they're planting it for the next generation. I mean, I'm sure you could find somebody out there that's doing that, but the point is, is that as a society, we quit thinking this way because we don't trust, we don't trust the, that it's even going to last more than a month anymore. It took generations to build the great cathedrals and the great buildings of Europe. Think about that. Generations. So one guy has a dream about building a cathedral or a castle or whatever. And so he gets this idea and he draws up the plans and he starts working at it. He knows that he will never see it finished. He has a son who he teaches everything about it. And that son will dedicate his life to building that cathedral. And he knows he will never see it completed. He will spend his life doing it. Think about that. What have we traded that for? We've traded that for the quick buck, the treat thrill, I got mine attitude. It's just slowly took over. And you might say, wow, what's the point of a great cathedral? What's, well, think about that. The great buildings and the great engineering concepts of Western civilization. It's dying. It's called corruption. And the fair that was built to distract us is part of that corruption. We stripped ourselves of the moral and religious anchors that would have made the fair seem odious and sinister. Like the, the fair itself, I mean, yeah, fun and everything, but you wouldn't want to base your life off of it. You wouldn't want the people of the fair to run the entire town. In order to have fun, that's why, the, that's why everybody just turned the other way and allowed the fair to take over everything. I mean, I'm Gen X. I know all about it. I mean, that my generation, that's what it was all about. It was just about having fun. 
like I mean the whole sixties thing and they protested the the uh, Vietnam War and you know life was so bad and and there was all kinds of things and it's it's just like um, a little bit of um what would you say a little bit of not right wing but at least a little bit more um it seemed like um communism was on its way out and there was a you know a little bit more conservative attitude coming in but my generation i mean that's it was just like okay yeah we got through the sexual revolution now let's just go have fun yeah we got through this let's just go have fun there was the fun house and that led us to where we are going now so where are we going We have all been lured now into the fun house, the fair. It's kind of started dying. But hey, you go buy a ticket to the Whirly Cups, suddenly you find yourself in the fun house. It's called herding. And I know all about herding. If you went on my website before, you've probably noticed that I raise cattle, a few. And I've helped neighbors move cows. I've been helping move cows since I was about eight years old out of my grandparents' farm. I know all about moving animals, cows, pigs. Heck, I've even chased chickens around. The point is, is that I suppose if you're from the city and you don't realize you talk about herding cows, you always get this, you know, mental image of these cowboys, you know, whirling their lassoes above their heads and charging at the cows going, ha, ha, ha. That's not the way it works. Now, maybe it does if you, you know, have a herd of a thousand cattle and, and you're out, you know, in on the prairie somewhere. Maybe you do it that way. But when you're just trying to herd cows and just trying to move them through, you want to get them in you want to separate them. You want to separate the yearlings from the older ones or you want to separate the bulls from the cows or you want to separate them out. You want to put them in different pens. It just comes down to a little bit of pressure that you put on them. Let me tell you about the something i just seen here and I've heard about it. i just seen one my neighbor had when I was helping him move cows around and he had what they call a whip flag and it it's a... It, it's a whip. They call it a stock whip. It's not like a bull whip, which is loose and and you you know roll it up like Indiana Jones and crack it out. It's like a it's like a long stick with a little bit of loose um, braided leather on the end that you just kind of whip it in the air and it goes snap. Very tiny snap compared to a bull whip. Anyway, I'd, I've used one before and. It never seemed to work very good. Anyway, my neighbor had one that had a flag on the end of it, like a very small flag, like four inches by four inches. It's a little bit of fabric. But when you when you whipped it through the air, 
Of course, the flag goes, makes a whir sound. Well, it was amazing how the cows reacted to that. It's like you got a cow that's going one way and you just kind of put that little flag in front of their face and it was like they didn't want nothing to do with it. It's like they didn't understand it. It didn't work through their heads. I don't know if they thought it was like a a big insect or... Because, I mean, you don't hit the cows. There's no point in that. I mean, you could hit the cow with a... a, with a three inch piece of tree trunk six feet long and bring it down on top of their head and they would hardly even notice it. They're pretty tough animals. But this little flag whipping around, wow, they just turn tail and just go the other way. So, I mean, that, that's the way you move cows around. You put treats in the front, you holler or have pails of chop or something and then, and then you, you put some pressure at the back. Somebody whipping this flag, and, and it, just move, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds of animals just turn tail and go in a different direction. Is that us? Ask yourself, is that what's happening to us now? Are we being herded? Because that's what it feels like to me. I've seen it enough to know. Treats, fear, treats in the front, fear in the back. Is that us? I mean, that's basically what's been done to us. When they start, start, started this whole, you got to get vaccinated. It was like, oh yeah, get vaccinated or you'll never be able to travel. Oh, get vaccinated and then you won't have to mask up. Oh, get vaccinated and then you'll be able to, you know, get together with your family. Get vaccinated and you won't kill grandma. There's the treats in the front. And then constantly in the back is this flag whip around. Like, oh, actually not actually you got to come in for another shot and actually you can't do this and actually you can't do that and this oh and you're a terrible person but if, if you don't do it you're a terrible person you're gonna you're gonna kill grandma feels like hurting to me feels like humanity is being hurted just like cows ultimately if you want to fight against it in in the end it comes down to two letters n and o just no I'm done. It's time for everybody to say, I'm done. I'm finished with this. I'm not going to be herded like a cow. If everybody says no and fights back, it's over. I mean, you just think about it. I mean, cows are dumb and animal herders are supposed to be smarter. That's why they have whip flags and pails of chop and all that kind of stuff. But if every cow just said no, well, you, you can do nothing with it. Nothing that you have can actually turn them around. I mean, I guess you could bring out a machine gun and start shooting cows, but I mean, it's over when everybody says no and doesn't react to the fear and the treats. So that tells me, where are we going? Well, that depends. We have to bring back courage as a concept. Like just enough courage to say, no, I don't care. You tell me you're going to fire me for my job. Okay, then I'll go find a different job. I'll go find a different life. I'll go find a different way. I'm not going to be herded like a cow. And while we're at it, we, maybe we should reconstitute a few of the other virtues. You know, I think they work pretty good in a society. What I see is this is a mass psychosis of fear. It's taken over our culture and it, will continue until it doesn't, until it can't. When enough people wake up to the reality of the funhouse, 
The crowd spell will be broken. This mass psychosis. And then all hell's going to break loose. Because let me explain something. This whole thing has been planned for a long time. We know it's been planned for a long time. You can call me conspiracy theorist if you want to. And I'll, I'll, I'll holler BS right back in your face because I was called a conspiracy theorist when I first started talking about this because I said, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop with 15 days to flatten the curve. You know, and, and there were some people who were even more conspiracy theorists than me. I mean, they said, oh, this is going to go on for years. And I went, oh, come on. People aren't that, people aren't that gullible, are they? I mean, the lockdowns over and over. And then, and then when they get, you know, most of the people jabbed, they used to talk about herd immunity and all this stuff like, oh, it, it'll, it'll end here. It'll end there. It hasn't ended. It's gotten worse. So. But when people first started saying that, I looked at them and went, wow, that's a pretty big conspiracy theory. You know, they started talking about, oh, they're going to start putting people in camps if they don't get, you know, if they don't get the jab. And I was like, oh, come on, they'll never do that. And then you hear, oh, oh, no, they're doing it. No, they're building camps. They're, you know, the, the most famous one is in, in um, Australia. Huge. 3,000 3, person basically camp. I mean, it's an internment camp. It's, it's a concentration camp. There's no other way to, to describe it. But to the elites, they are all in on this. They cannot actually back out and back up anymore because they've went full out. And I think this is going to get really bad because when this dream for them ends... It's going to become a nightmare for them. The first rule of breaking out of the funhouse is to realize that you're in a funhouse. You got to ignore the fake boogeymen that jump out. You got to scorn the mirrors and the weird lights. You got to reject the marked exits to actually be in an exit. You have to look for a weak spot. You know, that small thermal exhaust port right below the main port? Oh, sorry for the Star Wars reference. A bad wall, a poor joining of the trailers, a duct. The funhouse is flimsy. It's pulled together, banged together, painted flat black, weird lights put in it. It, it relies on fooling you. Are you fooled? It's time to get out now. It's time to find that weak point. It's time to tear through a wall. It's time to get out and see that the fair is gone. Look at the stars and breathe the free air. The direction we were going in was all in. I mean, they pretty much had everybody in society just going for it. When they went 15 days to flatten the curve, everybody went, yeah, I could use 15 days off, especially if they're going to, you know, give us a little money. I mean, it sounded good. You stay home, play video games for a couple weeks. Um, you know, not that bad, right? So, oh yeah, let's do this thing. And, and so everybody was all on board. And if you went out, you had to put masks on all this other stuff. And yet, that didn't, it's not the way it turned out, was it? 
It's still there. It's still clinging to us. It's still like this monkey on our back in society. And they keep saying things. And you wonder, how can anybody believe this stuff anymore? And yet, this whole fiasco has shown us a few things too, hasn't it? Like how out of touch these cloud people, if you want to call them that, these elites, how out of touch they are with reality. They have no idea how you live, how normal people live. When was the last time do you think Justin Trudeau went shopping? When was the last time he had to find a parking place at a mall? When was the last time he had to deal with a situation with people that was actually, you know, where he wasn't just fawned over? And all these people are the same. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about a rock star or you're talking about a, a sports hero or you're talking about a politician. There's the cloud people and the dirt people. And the cloud people have become so out of touch because they hate you. You don't realize, but these people that are cloud people who actually, think, I know there's some stars and there's some sports heroes and there's probably even some politicians that I think understand that they are of the minority of the people. But I would say the vast majority, like, and I'm saying 95% of the cloud people hate you. They hate the normal people. They, they, they think normal people are dirty. They think normal people are stupid. I think normal people are, like I've said before, it's like everybody to them that's not of the cloud class is just the people of Walmart. There is only either you're up high and you're special and, you know, it's like, ooh, it's like things out there are so icky. That's why it doesn't bother them when they're, when their policies and laws and everything has people crapping in the streets. They just expect that. They like it when they see the lower classes falling apart. They enjoy it. It confirms to them that they're so much more special that they're not pooping in the street. It's the complete degeneracy of the ruling class. Our elites have fallen apart. It's not the people pooping in the street. That could be solved. We could do something about that but not when the, 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 the total moral degeneracy, never mind somebody relieving themselves in an alley. The ruling class is doing things much worse than that, only morally. I mean, think about it. Think about, you know, and, and how far away you are in your thinking. Like, you've heard the stories. You've heard about, well, Epstein didn't hang himself. And then just lately, his female pimp, well, she gets time in jail but oh the judge seals all the records and all the players okay so the so the pimp one dies and the other one goes to jail but what about the players it's all sealed why ask yourself you think it's some vast conspiracy theory that, oh, it's too tough to figure out. This is not hard to figure out. The powerful people think they're able to rape children and, and they should be able to get away with it. Why should the beautiful people, quote unquote, be able to get out of their obligations towards basic standards of morality? Why should they be any different than the people at Walmart 
You know, if some, you know, trailer trash Larry in his double wide scoops a child off the street and has his way with him, you think he's going to get away with it? Not for as long as until he, until he can't. And then they'll bury him under the jail. But oh no, we can't even know the names of the people that were all involved. I think what happens is, I think where we're going, unless we change, is that this gap is just going to get wider and wider and wider. Because the common people cannot seem to get upset about this. Nobody wants to believe it's actually happening. Nobody wants to actually see it as a reality. They say, well, nobody could be that evil. The system can't be that wrong. The government wouldn't allow that. Well, guess what? You're wrong. And unless everybody starts to get a little bit worked up about this, I mean, to the point of where, you know, that judge that sealed all those records is just harangued forever until... Like, open this up already. We want to see who's involved. And anybody that's involved, like, if, if there was, they, they know. I mean, if there's records and there's supposedly tapes, but, and, and there's probably film and there's probably all kinds of stuff out there. Well, we want to know if ex-presidents and their, his, their wives and husbands and whatever else, whoever else is involved, we want to, we want to know. Because we're going to root this evil out. Uh, I think that's where it's got to start. The problem is everybody wants their lies to be beautiful. The people don't want to see the darkness. What they want to see is the excitement and the lights of the fair. They want the fantasy to come back. They want the Ferris wheel. They want the candy apples. They want the darkness of the now defunct and dilapidated fairgrounds that unnerves them. They don't like it. I mean, some people might be so unnerved that even if they got out of the funhouse and they saw the darkness of the fair and realized that they were all on their own and that they, the reality was, was, was unleashed, they might crawl back into the funhouse just to be with others of a like mind. This is where we're going. There are crowds of people who just want normal, which the lights and the gate of the fair they believe is normal. Some will accept the reality of the darkness and the stars and the free air. But others are going to reject it. So, God help us all. All right, now comes the hard part. This is the third section, which I usually do in these. Is what am I supposed to do? You always get this, you know. It's interesting. It's it's like you start telling somebody about something, and you know, like I just did, like talking about how can these elites get away with with raping underage girls on an island, and they're flowing out, and there's flight logs. It's like, what were you doing out there? Why were you out there? Is there any evidence that this is what you were doing? People just, 
they, they listen to it and they say, well, that's so big. That's so far up. That's, that's so the cloud people we can't, we'll never get against the, we'll never win against them. So it's like, they look at you and say, well, what am I supposed to do about this? You know, well, personally, I suppose you, it's not like you're going to go out and you're going to figure all this out all by yourself. But maybe we need to go back to something that Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, you know, they talked about the evil it runs through, it doesn't run through either left or right, it runs through every human heart. Maybe that's the place you could start. Maybe if you started there, maybe something would come through. It would unfold in front of you. And that's what you've got to do. You want to know what I'm supposed to do? It doesn't, what yours is supposed to do? It doesn't matter if you got everything figured out in, in every, you know, conspiracy that's going on in the world. I mean, obviously there's so many things out there that are bigger than any individual, even an elite individual. The very first thing I think you have to do is accept reality as it unfolds in front of you. As it unfolds in front of you, stop looking for the, the fair. Stop looking for the bright light. Stop looking for... Um, a, a reality that you want and just accept the reality as it is, it is given to you. Stop thinking things should be different. Like there's so many people out there that say, well, that's not right. Yeah. Well, it probably isn't, but it's also probably reality. Like you have a university degree in English literature and it's like, well, I should be able to get a good job with that. I went to college. You know, well, actually no, uh, you spent a lot of money, you spent a lot of time, and you probably had a lot of fun. But in the end, what you got is a piece of paper that isn't worth anything. Or, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, the world should be the same as when my parents grew up in, or my grandparents. Like, well, I've worked hard. I, I, should, be, I should be able to retire by now. No, not necessarily. Not if the reality of the system around you has changed. And then, and the concept of money has changed and the concept of debt has changed. Everything has changed. And the thing you got to remember is the system, the fair, if you want to call it that, any that's not shut down already, the system loves to spin these lies. Go, go to college and you'll get a good job and then you'll have money. These people get rich off of these lies that they spin. In other words, what I'm saying is you've got to distance yourself from the mainstream narrative because it's a lie. It's all a lie. It's, it's, it's spun as lies. It's set out as lies. It is lies. It allows the memory of the fair to go on. But guess what? The fair is defunct. No more candy apples for a while. Next thing you got to get through your head is you're on your own. Unless you have a big family that works together or a good community, and I'm talking about a physical community, not an not a online community. An online community is fine. I mean, I have nothing wrong with people talking, you know, with one another about a topic and, and asking questions and, and being able to, you know, get back and forth. But an online community can disappear. An online community lets people fall through the cracks all the time. It's not, not a bad place to get information, but it's not, quote unquote, a community, not like one that's put together by a common, uh, common enemy or a common goal or 
where you actually see one another in, I guess you call it meat space. And then people talk about, oh, it's have a great group of friends. That's, that's my community. I have a great group of friends. You know, all my life, and I'm not against that. There's nothing wrong with a group of close friends that can work together and help one another. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I just haven't seen it very often. You know, it's always talked about, oh, my friends, my friends, my friends. But usually the great friends are only seen on sitcoms. Mostly what I've seen with friends is it's, it's a group of people that are together because you are taking the same course or you're working at the same job or you're, you know, something like that. You, in other words, you have something common. Um, if you quit your job or you graduate the school, oftentimes these, what you thought were such great friends, it just, you drift apart. In other words, you weren't friends on a level that you thought you were. Anyway, that's just a, kind of an aside. The bottom line is, you, again, you'll have to accept realities that comes to you. Just, just so you know, when I'm talking about friends and community and online community, I, I believe personally, and I mean, I could be wrong, but I believe the elites, and it doesn't matter which side you're talking about. Some people think the good guys are going to do this, some think the bad guys, but they're going to plan a blackout. And I mean, when I say blackout, I mean like the internet is going to go down for a time. Just think about that. When that comes, who, who are you going to confer with? Who are you going to commiserate with? Do you even know your neighbors where you live? Do you know their names? Do you know their situation? Do you know if they're good people or bad people or flaky people or flighty people or... Do you know anything about them at all? I know I've talked about this in the past. It's, it's important. Because there's some hard times ahead, my friends. It's time to stop being afraid. It's time to stop letting fear rule your life. It's time to start saying no to these people that want to drive the narrative. And it's time to start mocking the compliant people. Not maliciously, but mock nonetheless. People that just go along blindly, that just keep just running through the funhouse and, and jumping at every monster and getting mad at people who are laughing at the black lights in the mirrors. It's time to start mocking them back. Like, are you stupid? Do you not see that this is a funhouse? Do you not see that that zombie that jumps out isn't real? The other thing I think what you're supposed to do is to understand that our institutions and, and I'll call it the fair, even though it didn't start out as the fair, it became the fair, but our old institutions, they're all hollow now. Okay. Education, law, the, the bloated bureaucracy that was designed to help us that was put in place, you know, like the department of this and the department of that Just, I mean, there's, Thousands of them. There's multiple thousands of people that draw a paycheck from them. And they're all designed to make, make our society better. They were, you know, it just degenerated. It started out maybe with the early part of the fair. It had, you know, buildings built on cement foundations. And by the end, it wasn't even a tent anymore. It was just an idea. 
They were all designed to help make things better, make things more exciting, make things, you know, like more fulfilling, make things more sexy, whatever. Most of them now are filled with drones that drag out their day and they know what they're supposed to do and what they're supposed to say. And they're led by totally morally degenerate leaders. Because people, progressivism is a rot and it has went rampant through all of the, everything that we have. None of it works. The people that are involved with it, if you just look at them, they're, they're, they're twisted and they're miserable and they're bitter and they're ugly. All they can do is feel anxiety and hatred toward others who are not woke. That's it. That's their whole shtick. There's no joy. There's no love. There's no acceptance. Anyway, in this bloated, burned out fairground, I'm not sure what can be saved. There might be some things. I would say start local because it look it looks like that's working out good. I've seen some videos and different things from some of the school boards down in the States and they're cleaning house in that whole thing. It's good to see. It's good to see people finally had enough. But I would say taking over your local organizations is very important. And it's not going to stop what's coming. This, this ride that we're on is, is going to be road to the end. But I think taking over our local institutions as much as we can, I mean, at least bringing some kind of common sense back to them is important because when the top blows right off this charade it's better if the bottom is organized it's better if the lower parts that actually have to function you know to i don't know maybe keep clean water coming or or try and keep power coming or run schools or hospitals or whatever when the top blows off it's going to be a lot better if the bottom is even slightly organized or at least has a clue about reality I told you I'd get to preaching in this spot when it comes down to, you know, what am I supposed to do? I told you I'd start preaching. I warned you that in the last one. Well, here we go. In Matthew 24, 48, Christ iterated some things, you know. In the end, he talked about there's going to be false teachers, nation, which is race, rising against nation, which is race. This is race war. Kingdom against kingdom, that's politics. He also said there's going to be famines, wars, and rumors of wars. I always found that one interesting as a kid, when rumors of wars. If you hear of a rumor of war, like, what does that mean? Well, it's fear. It's like, well, maybe there isn't a war right now, but there's going to be one. I mean, that, that just spreads fear. He also said earthquakes and different things like that. You can go read about it, Matthew 24, 48. And he said, this is just the beginning of the birth pangs of the end.
So yeah. Ah, I almost forgot. If I don't do this, I'm sure I'll get an email from somebody. So here we go. Get up off the couch and turn off that boob tube. Get out and get the stink blowed off you. You're not going to learn nothing sitting there watching that thing. This keeps up. We're going to have a country full of people with wide, soft asses and even softer heads. There you go. That's what I always used to hear growing up when I wanted to spend a quiet afternoon watching television. It was usually my grandfather or my uncle. They would come in and give a speech, much like that one, just about every time. Get outside. Find something to do where you will learn something instead of just sitting there with your mouth hanging open, drooling. You're going to find that space really quick. Not that I don't think anybody, well, maybe some people do, I don't know, just sit in front of the television all day and watch television. But I think the internet has pretty much taken that over, video games maybe. But you got to go find something that has substance in life. you got to wean yourself off the web as much as possible. And, and, and I wouldn't go anywhere near this, this meta thing. Talking about, oh, yeah, you can just live your life in electronics. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's bad enough now. I, I don't know. I guess I don't quite understand meta, but I, I think I would stay away from it. They'll want you to live your life in the electronic world while you live in a pod eating worms and beetles and weeds. But you'll have an exciting life on meta. Big house, nice wife, car to drive. You could, you could fly around like Superman or something. I don't know. I, I wouldn't trust that. It sounds too much. Like they're really working at designing the Matrix, just the way it appeared in the movie. But anyway, um, it's time to change the way you think. It's time to stop trusting the system. It's time to stop trusting the funhouse. Because that's what the system has become. It's time to change the way you think each and every day. It's time to not exactly trust every thought process you have. I mean, everybody wants to trust the thought processes that they have that's got them this far. I mean, they're still alive, right? But the world is changing so fast. It's very hard to even trust those thought processes because what got you this far might not get you any further. Depends on where you are. See, it's very hard at this point because this whole section is, what am I supposed to do? It's very hard because everybody that I'm talking to out there is different. Okay? So some of you might have thought processes that, you, you know, you're, well, you're probably not listening to this podcast if you're living in a dumpster, but you get the point living in a dumpster, living in a mansion, and, and you could swap those two. The guy living in the dumpster could have a life where they feel very at peace with everything, and the guy living in the, in the mansion could be going through living hell. Like, I don't know where everybody sits. But for you, I want you to take a unique approach. I want you to look and ask yourself, the direction I'm going in, does it signify a healthy destination? I think how to define are you on a healthy destination is to realize that you need a new way of thinking because we all do. 
if you're, if you're wondering like, okay, how do I adapt to this world? How do I adapt to these times? Here's a little more preaching for you. Now, I don't like taking words of the Bible out of context, but and we're running out of time here, but here's part of what Paul said in Romans 12, 1 to 2. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, the discerning part of that, the will of God, obviously there's a good, and there's an acceptable, and there's a perfect. What does it mean to be transformed? What does it mean to have a renewed mind? Well, that's exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting yourself onto the signal, understanding that God knows the future. Therefore, he knows what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. Now, I will put this verse into context without reading the whole thing. You can go find yourself a Bible and you can read the whole thing. But to put this into context, Paul began talking about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to your creator. So you see, this is not about you at all. This is not about you working on yourself, in quotation marks. You don't get to plot out your self-improved mind. This is about sacrificing yourself. This is about taking responsibility for the reality that you live in and saying to your creator, okay, take it from here. This is about faith. You know, all my life I assumed that when they talked about being conformed to the world, it meant sinning. You know, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, and don't you hang out with girls who do. That type of thing, right? Turns out I didn't know and nobody knew that the world was going to go insane with a rot of sinful nihilism and was literally going to just like go nutso and start beating the drums of war against normal people and start attacking itself. So the way the world is going, being conformed to the world, is insanity. You're looking for sanity. So that's how it worked. That's what they did. We had a civilization that was based on so much of what the Bible said. And then everybody started attacking it. And the people that wanted to have fun and wanted to have the fair and they wanted the lights to be bright and they wanted the girls to wear less and they wanted the music to be loud and they wanted more and more stuff that would just keep them excited. Well, they just loved that the fair was built. And they lured you in with fun and bright lights and the candy apples. But the horror fun house is designed to destroy everything you are. And the fair slowly turned into everywhere you went, you ended up in the fun house. So it went insane, it fell apart, and it's looking to destroy you. Stay with me. Stay with this podcast. Let me show you the old paths. Once you break out of that side of that stupid, flimsy, and fake funhouse, 
what I want you to do. I just want you to know that out here, things, it's a little dark. There's stars, things are real, but it's also now an adventure. You're not going to be led one hallway to the next. You're not going to be forced or herded like a cow. You get to plot your own life. You get to plot where you're going to go, and you get to see reality for yourself. So all I can say is keep an edge on your knife. Keep your matches dry because you get one swing at this. Make it a good one. Vaya con Dios, eh? <laughs>